According to immigration officials, our southern border is at a breaking point after more than 76,000 illegal immigrants tied, tried crossing in February. Okay, fine, but can we talk about something that really matters? Have you seen how stupid Sonic the Hedgehog looks in this upcoming movie? That's what's important. Uh, also, malls across the country plan to marry more... <laughs> malls across the country plan to carry more CBD-infused products. So Baskin-Robbins just went from 31 flavors to 420. And finally, President Trump welcomed the 2018 Division I football champs, the North Dakota State Bison, to the White House yesterday. To keep things simple this time, every player just got a bag of Funyuns and a Tic Tac. The Trump Report starts now. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Yes, indeed, it is the Trump Report. Welcome. I'm Christian Blatt, joined as, well, often yeah. by Scott Moore. Uh, yeah. None of, none of the ladies are uh, with no, us today. Not I, today. I, you know, I don't know what happened. What did we say? What did we do <laughs> what did to we offend do now? them? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Well, uh, so you know, obviously, uh, we'll give you the uh, the white male perspective right now, yep. and uh, you know, if there's any anything we're missing, <laughs> please join us in the chat if you're watching live on YouTube, or uh, feel free to leave comments after the fact. Uh, lots of ground to cover mm-hmm. as always. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to start with is this notion, and this ties in directly to the border wall for our friend Storage Yard resident who's there in the chat, is uh, we're starting to see President Trump's sort of, you know, the failing New York Times has a headline that says, Trump's grip shows sign of slipping as Senate prepares to block wall emergency. Uh, It wasn't so much of a grip on the Senate. It was sort of like a stranglehold and everybody was afraid, (laughs) you know, and I think... You know, now we're getting closer to people are going to be running for some reelections, and then they really have to figure like, how close do we get to him? How far do you back off? It's a little bit of a waiting game mm-hmm. because uh, this directly ties into the fact that Rand Paul is the fourth GOP senate senator who will basically rebel against this uh, voting down the state of emergency at the border. Um, so I, I don't. I don't know. Is he running for president again? Book deal? <laughs> but, uh, you know, hair club for men? You Some, know? Something. For yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's an indication. I mean, you sort of, you have your, you have your, uh, your regulars, you know, your expected familiar faces who are voting this down. You know, uh, you got, of course, Murkowski and mm-hmm, Susan Collins mm-hmm. and, um, oh, I already forgot the other guy. Uh, Tom Tillis. Tom Tillis. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, Tom Tillis. So, and then uh, Rand Paul's like, well, that sounds like a fun dinner party. Let me join in. <laughs> so, uh, Scott, what do you think about uh, all of this? You know, uh, what do you think could be a possible motivation for Rand Paul? And, uh, you know, granted, it's just one more person sort of going against Trump. But mm-hmm. uh, what do you think this all says? Well, I mean, we, we kind of touched on it last week. I think that overall, like you said just a moment ago, too, you have uh, several of these people that are going to be up for really difficult re-elections potentially next year. And they're trying to find that balancing line between, um, you know, how far to separate themselves from him. And I also think in the bigger picture, they, they do realize that this is a, a separation uh, between Congress and the executive branch, uh, the legislative branch, and, and exactly how much that they can uh try to disagree with this in the sense that they know that now a future Democratic president or other future presidents will try to use this uh, national emergency type 
situation um, when Congress doesn't give them money for things that they want. And so for a lot of these Republicans, they're realizing, especially someone like Rand Paul, that's going to be like, you know what, this is not something that I agree with. Uh, either Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. It's the fact that there is a separation with the legislative and executive. And right. the legislative said, no, we're not giving you this money. And for you to do this roundabout sets a bad precedent for future presidents. Um, and so I think a lot of them are looking at that and just saying this is not good overall um, for the future of the country. Right. And as we discussed last week, uh, all President Trump is going to have to do is veto it. Mm -hmm. And uh, then it would uh, go into effect because we would need – we – there would have to be uh, 60 senators voting it down, voting down to override the veto. And yeah. I, I think that you might be able to, you know, get six more Republicans to vote on something. But I, I don't think it's this, especially because all of them will get, you know, bad nicknames on Twitter mm -hmm. from President Trump, <laughs> you know, and they don't they don't really want. Although I don't know if Murkowski really has one. You know, I don't know if he has a good nickname for her. No, I think, um, you know, he, he tries to be careful about giving certain nicknames to some some of the Republican yeah, in Congress, too, just because uh, he hasn't done that with Susan Collins either. But I think that, again, it's going to be more of the symbolic nature of it. It's like, OK, Congress is saying we're voting against this. We disagree with what you're doing. Allow him to now do the, his first veto of the presidency. And it does at least set like, OK, like you said, the likelihood of being able to actually override it is slim. Nothing's you know impossible, but it's more of the symbolic thing to say, hey, we disagree with you. And they know that it's already you know, going to be in lawsuits here in court down the line anyway. So for most of Congress, it's like, OK, at least we've registered our displeasure. We've done at least part of it to say we yeah. don't agree with you and then let the courts decide in the long run what happens with it. So, yeah. And look, I, regardless of the party, there is uh, really no shame in a presidential veto. You know, the fact that he's gotten this far mm -hmm. in without one is just, yeah, I mean, it's OK. That's interesting. That's, that'll be a nice footnote at some point. Yeah, but not surprising, though, considering yeah. he had a Republican Congress for the first two years, that the likelihood of having a veto is a lot lower. So now, um, you know, it, it, it would be more surprising if he wasn't vetoing from this point on so yeah and uh obviously you know when it comes to your point about making nicknames and comments about female members of uh, republican members of congress at least he there's probably somebody that that he he you know bounces them off mm -hmm. of. maybe it's sarah sanders maybe it's somebody and they uh probably universally turn down the idea of like what if i call her lisa fatkowski yeah. and it's like yeah. no no that's that's not <laughs> yeah you don't want to go there Shout out to Jeff who gave yeah. me that joke. I just want to make sure he gets credit for it. Uh, but in any case, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see. And ultimately, you know, this – I don't know. I guess like the diehard people who want the wall, like our friend Storage Ed Resident mm -hmm. who's in the chat every show, which yep. we always appreciate. We do. We know the, how important that is to him, the wall. Uh, I don't know that people think – if it's going to be built, you know, uh, all of a sudden, you know, in time for, you know, re-election day is, is what they're probably calling that day. Mm -hmm. But I think he needs it to not be finished. He needs the, you know, he needs the the pushback. He yeah. needs to be like, you got to You got to reelect me because, you know, if that thing gets built yeah, in the next right? year <laughs> and then it's like, oh, what do we need that guy for? You know, let's get yeah. somebody else. And uh, so, you know, he needs this. And look, yeah. you know. Democrats are not you – know, this should be a fairly easy job running against this president. And then they're able to make you know fairly sizable issues out of things like the Green New mm -hmm. Deal. You know, you have uh, people have latched on, on on the right about the idea of like, oh, so they don't want us to fly around in the air anymore mm -hmm. and just ride bikes everywhere, you know, and you're able to – 
I was literally going to use the word Trump up and not mean it as a pun. <laughs> but that's what... Can't help it, yeah. Who knew when that yeah. word Trump was designed to mean that? Who They just somehow, whoever <laughs> they coined were, that term, very knew prescient. that it was going to be... Yeah. <laughs> very uh, But, you know, so there's those issues. And look, uh, and I there's this... Uh, this born alive bill that the uh, Senate didn't pass uh, mm-hmm. and it's they're able to make really compelling issues for, yes, the base, but also you have moderates who uh, if you you know tell them about some of these things, you're like, well, that's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't like President Trump, you're easy. It's easy to be convinced. Like, um, I, I don't you know need to be told I'm not allowed to have a car anymore or fly in an airplane. I obviously am. Uh, I abhor the idea that, uh, you know, a, a baby could be uh, born and ab- aborted after the fact is the way that that that's that is the way that that story is, is being spun, uh, you know, and that all comes from that bill that came out of Virginia, which I don't know what's going on in Virginia. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, Texas is always talking about seceding, but can we just maybe kick a state out? You know, I mean, it's, we don't, we don't want another, we don't want another civil war. Maybe but just kick them out for temporarily. Yeah, you know what? Let them get I don't want to kick anybody just, out. Just a time out. I, I love the Commonwealth of Virginia. Just a time let's out. Let's go ahead and let's put them in time yeah, out. Yeah. And then they can and come like, back. And yeah. Let, let's, you know what? Get through it. Work we're through their we're issues. not going to take your dues this year. Yeah. You're going to your membership is on hold. Mm-hmm. We'll have 49 states for the next year, and then let's just revisit. Yeah, you know? go 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 through some counseling yeah. and work on yourself a little bit, and then you're ready to come back and better than ever. I mean, the two issues that I reference: the Green New Deal and mm-hmm. this this uh, Born Alive uh, bill. Uh, very uh, complicated, and there's a lot to both of them. But what do you think to the point that you know Republicans? have both of those things just fell in their lap and they're like, oh, oh, we can we can really like right. hammer our way at these things. So what do you think about uh, both of those? Well, I think and this is, again, something we've talked about many times over is that the messaging on the Democratic side is not nearly as good as on the Republican side. And that's the thing, too, is that a lot of Republicans are very active voters and will go out and vote in the primaries, in general elections. And, you know, all the times that a lot of Democrats may not go out and vote. Um, and then on top of that, they're very solid about keeping this message and doubling down on this message, and everyone kind of gets in line. And that's the thing, too, where a lot of people will say, well, I don't like Trump, but at least I know I'm going to get my Supreme Court justices. At least I know, you know, they're going to go with the anti-abortion. You know, those certain things that they wholeheartedly agree with, maybe they don't like him as a person, but they know at least that those things will get done. And so they will still go out and vote knowing that they're going to have this, whereas the Democrats – you know, they've always talked about in the past to end up wanting to fall in love with the candidate yeah. and they and they take their time. And then there's a lot more infighting with Democrats because th- then they're like, well, we want a purity test and this is who we want to have. And they have to be this far left. And that's why a lot of times, too, you get some of these things that the base on the Democratic side is very passionate about, like the the, the green, uh, the new Green Deal and yeah. some of the other things, too, uh, that are on the far left side. That they end up taking a running with where the moderates and the center rights are uh, easily able to be like, oh, this is laughable. This is silly. And you can get some of those people to end up falling in line and voting for Republicans, even if they might have wanted to go for Democrat because the left side is a little too extreme. So, I mean, that's that's the the general overall is that Democrats are just not as good at the messaging and they allow the messaging to happen before they take control of it. And uh, Republicans will come right in and they will 
double down and they will get everybody in line. Yeah, and they'll be able to streamline their message. But uh, at, at this point, I, I think uh, Scott and I are the only people who haven't announced that we're running for yeah. president. Actually, but stay tuned. Yeah, who knows? that's true. You never know. <laughs> uh, let's let me commend uh, Senator Jeff Merkley. Because he announced that he's not running for president. Mm-hmm. Michael Bloomberg also announced that he's not front- running for president. So uh, I commend both of them. And you're thinking, like, I forgot somebody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hillary Clinton said yes. she's not running for president. But uh, I, until it's election day <laughs> and people are voting, that is when I'll believe, like, oh, she really didn't. Run. Well, I, I actually said that, too, to somebody the other day. I was like, well, until it actually happens. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised there's, if she would swoop in at the last minute. But especially now, yeah. you know, and just if, you know, it's it's very easy to say, like, Look, I, I just didn't think anybody mm-hmm. had a had a chance, and I, and I I understand the electoral math, but I did get three million votes more than this mm-hmm. guy, and you know I do only need to get one more vote than him. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe if we just spread out where the voting is, uh, so you know, and I mean, look, I don't, I don't, I don't think Hillary should run for president. No, I think, I, I, I agree. think she, I, I think that she had her time, and she unfortunately, did. her time wasn't even 2016. Her yes. time was 2008. Right, it was 2008. That's, that's really right. when it was her time. Exactly. And I think that uh, you know, uh, Joe Biden's just been a, been around long enough, and uh, you know, Bernie. It's I think he's a good campaigner, but uh, I, I think it would be interesting to see a debate between him and Trump, but. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's just so much yelling. You yeah. know, I would have such a headache after two septuagenarians getting into an argument. Yeah. And be like, you know, so I, I mean, look, two grandfathers. And like, there's always the chance too that the nominee is someone who has not announced yet. And I'm not talking right. about like a Joe Biden or you know? Beto O'Rourke or any right. of those people. Yeah. yeah, I'm not talking about yeah. any of the the people mm-hmm. that are expected to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it just could be somebody else's. Like, I think maybe you know, like obviously people didn't think that 2008 was going to be when Obama ran for right, president. When right. you saw him speak in 2004, you're like, mm-hmm. okay, so after Hillary, right, you know, right. into 2016, exactly. it was going to be Obama's turn. And, and even uh, then, I thought, well, you know, maybe he'll be somewhere in the administration. Like I yeah. see a lot of these people that are running now. I'm thinking, oh, they'd be great in the administration somewhere, a future Democratic president, but they're not necessarily presidential timber per se. But um, yeah, I, I think it, it's it's that's the problem too is that we're going to run into for the next year or so is the fact that we're going to have uh the democratic side is going to have very diluted messages because you're going to have so many people running whereas republicans can probably stick more to the script as much as you can with trump as your you know uh, standard bearer but you have that one person there as as opposed to 20 plus people on the democratic side so even if your message from trump that's all over the place at least is actually more coherent and at least more streamlined than than you're going to get from democrats they're trying to appeal to all these different groups of people and 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 so it's going to be it's going to be difficult for democrats i think in the over the next year until we start getting into primaries and debates and really starting to winnow down the field a little bit uh there's a very lively uh conversation going on in the chat and uh, one of the things that our friend storage ed resident said is that uh, the democrats will nominate a woman who is not deserving to be president and uh to he and everyone else in the chat, I ask, who are some women who are deserving to be right. president? Obviously, Storage Red Resident is conservative-leaning, mm-hmm. so he is going to feel, you know, like any Democrat woman doesn't deserve to be mm-hmm. president. Uh, so I'm just sort of wondering. Uh, and, yes, yeah, Storage Red Resident does point out there was a comedy show that toured that was uh, Trump versus Bernie Sanders, two comedians. One mm-hmm. of them is the guy who yes, does that's right. Trump, yeah. the Trump or the president show yeah. on yeah. Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And, uh, yeah, uh, Jeff in the booth uh, asks uh, Oprah. 
is Oprah uh, uh, deserving to be president? I wish Chelsea was here right now. I know. Well, the because <laughs> Chelsea, the, the, the Chelsea's uh, all ready for the, the Oprah Gail King ticket. You know, <laughs> She's just well, like, can I vote for it now is where Chelsea's at. Of but. course. I watched um, – uh, was it Super Soul Sunday or whatever? I never, I never do. I just happened to have it on, and and Peter Rourke was on, and Oprah was interviewing him, and I, you know, she was trying to pry an answer out of him. Sure. Um, but the funny thing was, he kind of turned around and asked her. But what I took from it is the whole time she kept saying, "Oh, you have to feel it. You have to really know. You have to be ready." Like telling him that, and it made me think, okay, well, clearly she's not feeling it either because I think at this point she would have thought this was an opportunity to go in and not necessarily in this, that, that episode, but just in general, I think, you know, she's got her empire. She's got her stuff going in. She, she yeah, it, it's the kind of decision that Donald Trump should have made. It's like what I, the life yeah. I have now is so much better than being president. Yeah. I you mean, know? that then that's the thing. And, and I think she looks at realizing that then she becomes a partisan and it takes away from a universal appeal. Cause you know that she's got a ton of, of, conservative women that are huge fans of hers and yeah. you know you start to translate into running for office and i mean look even hillary clinton had that for a while because she was a uh, secretary of state yeah so a lot of people looked at her it was more of a nonpartisan job in that sense and yeah. so a lot more people liked her thought highly of her she had very high approval ratings but the minute you step into a race that kind of diminishes everything and i think oprah's probably taking a step back like i've got a great life why do i need to mess that up by going to to try to run for president and kind of maybe potentially lose what I've kind of established for myself and my fan base and everything else. So I took it as that she's not interested because, you know, there were a couple of moments there where she's doing something speech and I thought maybe she really is going to jump in and yeah. that would be quite a I mean, interesting it, it thing. would be surprising, but in the way that I guess it's also yeah. not surprising, but it'd be like, oh, I really didn't think she was in. Uh, somebody whose uh, life is about to uh, get uh, a lot more interesting and less great <laughs> is uh, Michael Cohen. And mm-hmm. we talk about him because last week was before the uh, his testimony and mm-hmm. you know we were all gearing up for uh, the right. excitement. And I think we predicted it fairly well. It's you like, did. okay, a couple of things yeah. that we kind of knew, some new yeah. details. And I guess, you know, he had he had the check, the reimbursement mm-hmm. check for Stormy Daniels, which uh, the only interesting thing to me is that it was written on Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, a, what a nicer way to say I love you to your to your wife who stands your by your side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, just sort of, you know, we don't need to spend much time on it, but just your overall thoughts on uh, the Cohen hearings. Well, I mean, it, like we talked about last week, it was pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be uh, because I knew that the really juicy details were going to be behind closed doors, yeah, which they had the day before and the day after. And more or less, he was going to say pretty much what we expected him to. Um I do, you know, I found it really interesting that none of the Republicans really pushed back on any of the stuff that they were saying about Trump, you know, being a liar or or Trump's issues with, you know, the hush money or anything else. It was mainly like, why do we believe you? Because you're a liar and you've been lying all this time for Trump. Uh, So I thought that was kind of the most fascinating thing, which I did expect, but it was still interesting to see that no Republicans basically said, oh, no, Trump's, you know, completely been, you know, is innocent of these charges and the hush money and all that. Um, I thought it was also interesting that he did kind of, that Cohen kind of did brush off a little bit of the, the Russian collusion thing. Although again, because he's not, he wasn't allowed to talk about it, right? Yeah, yeah. But he kind of made it seem like he did a little bit, even though yeah. he wasn't supposed to. And he made it seem like maybe there, there wasn't per se directly with Trump. However, he wasn't supposedly directly involved with it. So I don't know, you know, there's only so much you can take of that at face value too, considering it's an open public, um, spectacle so yeah. i wasn't necessarily going to expect him to say anything else although he didn't really have anything to lose so he could have gone in and said yes there was collusion i just think because he wasn't allowed to that maybe he didn't want to go into the full-on of anything else because people kept saying look that vindicates donald trump i said not really because 
he technically wasn't supposed to talk about it. And if he did, and there was damning things in there, that could have been even worse for him. So yeah. he was. It was easier for him to even just say, "Oh no, nothing directly, you know, linking Trump to Russia and everything." Which again, we'll 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 find out as we move along. Um, so I think that, but that was a little bit surprising that he did kind of admit that publicly. The uh, the narrative out of the White House on the Cohen testimony uh, did a little bit of an about face. Totally. Because, uh, <laughs> first of all, you know, uh, President Trump walked away from uh, mm-hmm. the meeting in Vietnam with uh, Kim Jong Un, which we talked a lot about mm-hmm. last week. You know, not a particularly good guy, really bad track record in uh, oh, I don't know, uh, murdering family members. Mm. And, and I don't know, am I supposed to say allegedly? But I, I, it's like I, I don't, I don't think he's even trying to deny it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a you know, there's a lot of reasons, really. But, uh, you know, so I, I don't fault any president for being like, I don't I don't need to be at this table with uh, Kim Jong-un. But he said that it was because it was a bad deal. And then he, you know, then somebody got in his ear and said, yeah. no, 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 that's not right. what it was. Exactly. So uh, President Trump said that it was Cohen's testimony that made him walk from the Kim summit, uh, the Kim Jong-un summit. President, the president blamed the Democrats and not a bad deal for the failed talks because they, quote, hit a new low and interviewed a, contic- a convicted liar and fraudster while he was in Vietnam. Um, and look, you know, always, you know, all, what, what's the saying? Uh, don't let any crisis go to waste, you know? Yeah. Don't, don't uh, you know, don't miss an opportunity to turn something uh, into an attack on the uh, other party. But he had been pretty upfront. He's like, yeah, I had to get out of there. This wasn't going to be a good deal. It was going to be bad for America. Mm-hmm. Actually, I really wanted to be there. But, uh, you know, I just uh, couldn't stand these uh, Cohen hearings going on. And to the extent that President Trump re- was asked a lot of questions about the Cohen testimony, and then those reporters were uh, uh, barred from uh, any of the uh, subsequent events, uh, I can see I was an irritant to him. But... I don't think for a second that he was bothered by any of it. You know, I mean, maybe like it's just like, oh, it's just so irritating. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that has – there's there's no way that those have anything to do with each other. Do you agree, Scott? Oh, a thousand percent. And yeah. I, I – look, I give them points here because they will find the most ridiculous things. Yes. And it just gets better and better of the of the lies and things that they will stretch to get to. Um, but that's – and that's a new one. But it's like, yeah, first of all, with the time difference and everything, you're you're up working on stuff during the day when it's night here and vice versa. So you're yeah. not even around, you know, none of that's happening live when you're actually doing stuff unless, per the usual, he's up, you know, in the middle of the night not sleeping and watching, um, you know, TV and watching news. But it, it's laughable, first of all, to even try to connect those two uh, because of whatever deal or not deal was happening in Vietnam. So I find that laughable. Um, and it's just... It's also ironic that they're trying to push this whole lying thing when this was your person that worked closely with you for over a decade, and now all of a sudden, you know, you want nothing to do with them. It's just he's got too many – he knows too many things, too many secrets about Trump, too much things about the Trump administration, and uh, I think in general that there's only so much distance he can realistically put between him and Michael Cohen regardless of what he says or doesn't say, um, which is going to be difficult um, in the future anyway, so – yeah, I I uh I don't know. I, and yeah, you you always have to give uh style points for creativity. Yeah, as, that's what as, saying, as like, much as it makes you roll your eyes, you're just like, all right, they managed to tie those things together, you know. It's uh, good for the attempt. And some of their base is going to of course buy it and be charged up and be like, great, you know, that's why he left and which honestly never should have been there to begin with. Um, you know, this is the type of thing that I hope that 
They sort of learned after the first summit, like, okay, let's downplay any expectations for this next summit. Let's not say we're doing all these big, splashy things. But they still should have had more of the lower-level, boring meetings between North Korea and and and, and the states than having the, the, the two heads of state trying to make some kind of deal. It just was silly. It was irresponsible. Um, he never should have been there, but he thought, you know, this was a great opportunity for him to go in first time around and do something great and then probably get himself a Nobel Peace Prize or whatever else he thought he was going to get out of it. Um, so hopefully this will put this to rest and that they won't revisit it for a while because, um, it, it, it wasn't good for either side. And and of course I saw Republicans before now trying to switch the Michael Cohen thing of why he left basically saying, oh, this is brave of him to walk away from a bad deal. And you know, something like that, which he should have stuck with anyways. There's so many times where I'm like, you make it worse for you. Every time, you know, if you would stick to some of these other things, you might actually draw some people that are on the fence about you that are maybe moderate Republicans that never voted for you. You might get some of those people, but then you have to go double down and come up with these even more ridiculous, stupid, blatant lies that just, again, make people think, okay, why can we ever support him? Because he he can't just go with the good stuff like that. He could have just gone and said, hey, I was a powerful, good negotiator. I walked away from what was going to be a bad deal. Yeah. And left it at that. And yeah, it been better and I for mean, everybody. I think it's all about sort of convincing, you know, just a, a small sliver of people like, oh, my God, the, mm-hmm. the, you know, I can't believe the Democrats did that to this great man, our president. Right. And uh, you well, know, he if was only, there for us, like, yeah, trying to make this he great was trying deal. To, he was trying to make yeah. peace. Do Democrats hate peace? Is yeah. that the problem? <laughs> Uh, President Trump was also uh, very busy over the weekend uh, with a uh, two-hour-plus speech at CPAC, the Conservative (laughs) Political Action Conference. Um, I don't know how much anybody likes any politician, but do you want to see anybody talk for two and a half hours? Uh, I mean, I don't even like when a band plays (laughs) for two and a half, like a band I I love. I'm like, okay, it's ready. I need to go. Like (laughs) – I, I've seen Bruce Springsteen play for yeah. almost four hours, and, and it's great. But there's times in the middle where I'm like, all right, this this didn't yeah. need to be. Yeah, yeah. You, you could have trimmed some yes. stuff in the middle. <laughs> you know, you don't need to go that yeah. long. But uh, two and a half hours, and yeah, he obviously he he went off book, which uh, <laughs> that that crowd loved. <laughs> Uh, and uh, he accused the uh, the Mueller's team of trying to take him out with bullshit, and mm-hmm. that's actually what he what said. He said. Mm-hmm. And accused a top Clinton aide of not having recovered from getting his ass kicked. Um, and this is fine because we know that he talks like this. And also, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, let's not clutch our pearls. Mm-hmm. The fact that you know a, a grown man uses words like that in this day and age is fine. Of course. I mean, we are way past the point <laughs> of like what's presidential and what's not presidential. Uh, and you know. Uh, it's not all attributed to Donald Trump. Uh, I would say that uh, President Clinton was not particularly presidential mm-hmm. with uh, a number of the things that yes. he did while he was president. So, you know, maybe up until that point, we'd done a pretty good mm-hmm. job. I'm sure you can find examples, you know. Oh, of course. You know, you can go but, back, but they kept it a little more hidden. Yeah, exactly. It was just like back. it's what we know. Yeah. So, uh, but – uh, and, you know, I've actually, in my role as a radio producer, I actually once uh, went to CPAC, and people are so excited about everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't imagine what that was like for uh, for people to be there, because I do think that there is, a, you know, a segment of young conservatives that are energized by this guy who does talk like that. Mm-hmm. And he says the things that they're thinking, and, you know, any politician, especially when you speak for two and a half hours, is going to throw plenty of red meat out there. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, Scott, are you just, not that what he said, are you surprised that 
he talked that long to that crowd. It wasn't. <laughs> no, I guess I guess you could have seen it on like C-SPAN. It was on TV somewhere. It was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It just, I, I was about to say it wasn't televised. But no, I it was. Um, I just remember that I didn't watch it because I'm like I don't I don't need to see it. I'll just read about it. It was. Um, I watched part of it uh, because it was a little bit earlier. Yeah, West Coast time and it was Saturday. Okay, so sleeping in. Um, but but the point is, uh, kind of going back to that too about you saying like. People like to hear, you know, presidents now cuss. It's a known thing. There was a whole article actually a couple weeks ago, uh, like opinion section about the presidential speech and how they said, you know, oh, Obama had such soaring speech and Trump is, you know, so base and everything. But uh, basically that the speech patterns have shifted and they were going back to actually Reagan and talking about the way presidents spoke and how it, it has kind of trended through the past uh, 35, 40 years and that Trump more or less does speak like most of the everyday people. And it kind of goes back to some things we've talked about in the past, too, about how people connect with him because he comes up with simple phrases and things like that. But it, it does connect to a wide swath of people. So that's part of the reason why I think a lot of people do like listening to him. And, of course, I'm not surprised he went two and a half hours uh, because he loves to talk. This yeah. is like this is him in his element. This is him being able to be off script, be himself. And I would have to say that it had to have been one of the more entertaining speeches of, of, when you think about CPAC and a lot of times how buttoned up it is, and yeah. especially in the past when Obama was president and you had a lot of other people that were speaking, um, you had very buttoned <laughs> up, very kind of boring speeches. So for I think it could go either way. Some of the audience members were probably just kind of disgusted, probably on one side. Of course, you're getting some of the red meat, but I think the other side, like you said, maybe some of these younger conservatives and other people were probably loving it because it was so off the book, so crazy. You yeah. know, It was like I, I honestly couldn't believe half the stuff he was saying. And and it, there was no co- cohesiveness to it. It was just all over no, the place. Yeah, it just it, was going from one thing to another. And... It was as off book as off book gets. And, and to your point about it being entertaining, I mean, he did a Jeff Sessions impression. Yeah, you know, a really bad one. But... <laughs> you know what? But that doesn't even matter. No, I, I know. But... It doesn't matter. It's just yeah. the fact that he did that. And so in case you're wondering what the Donald Trump one-man show is mm-hmm. going to look like. Right. In his know, post-presidency. Yeah. But, but that's the amazing thing, too, because when you think about it, it wasn't that long ago that no president would dare even talk badly about uh, an AG that he appointed or well, people that, in his yeah, own I mean, party. Yeah. You would never in a million years. So it's even more fascinating to me that not only has Trump been able to basically hijack this party, but he's been able to talk negatively about other people that have been in the party for years. And here's like the reddest red Republican and Jeff Sessions and, and red, red Alabama and you're able to basically make fun of him in yeah. front of an, an audience of conservatives, to me, is just really fascinating that he's been able to shift it that much to, to where he could do that and people were eating it up. And what you would think about with George W. Bush doing something like that, and you just could never imagine that even you know a decade ago. Or, or, or Mitt Romney, for instance. You right, exactly. I know, no, Mitt, yeah, Mitt but, Romney is, is like the sort of like presidential candidate yeah, that you'd expect. Exactly. You know? But and, that's why it's like, oh, my God, because when he was doing these impressions, I thought – I can't believe how much this party has changed. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, to the point that I was making earlier about how they can really harp on the Green New Deal, I mean, it, it, he was able to simplify it. it, you know, just talking about when the wind stops blowing, that's the end of your electric. <laughs> Darling, is the wind blowing? I'd like to watch television, he quit. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and uh, he he also said, I like the Green New Deal. I respect it greatly. It should be part of the dialogue of the next election. Uh, yeah, if it is a major issue and mm-hmm. th- they're able to really hammer away at it, it's, it's not going to help, you know? No. It, it's it's actually brilliant, and that's why Trump... <laughs> 
gets as far as he does because he simplifies it. It's something that everyone can understand. You put it in a bite-sized thing like that. That's the way we are today. Our attention span is short. Nobody wants to read the details. And here's someone that's going to basically dumb it down into to something like that. And, and, you know, going back to what we were talking about at the top of the show, the Democrats also unveiled this Green New Deal without really having it really buttoned up, too. Yeah. So they already let it to be open to having a lot of holes and a lot of issues, and that's where the Republicans have come in and, and you know, eat it up and, and spit it back out again. But, yeah, that's what Trump is brilliant. I mean, it's it's those type of things where he's that, the build the wall, you know, the, these little phrases, these little nicknames, things like that that make it very easy for people. Um, and he is entertaining as crazy as he was. And, and, and I, I always say this, like some of his speeches, I think that's the craziest speech. I don't think he can ever top that. Well, he just topped it again on CPAC, and I think he's never going to be able to do something like that again, and I'm sure he'll top that in he'll a couple weeks. He'll have a three-and-a-half-hour speech I mean, somewhere else. It was yeah. just so all over the place. I thought, was he on something? Was he just so jet-lagged that he just didn't even have any idea what he was even talking about? Because I just thought he was off in his own own world there for a while. <laughs> yeah. And, and we didn't even talk about the flag pumping oh yeah no <laughs> i know like, oh my god and people are like eating that up i'm like it looks ridiculous it's so ridiculous it, it's yeah I, I i definitely agree Ugh. uh one of the uh this this isn't going to move the impeachment clock one way or the other but uh it seems like uh in about two weeks democrats are going are expected to demand president trump's tax return mm-hmm. which even if he was somebody that uh, you know, we all liked and we all voted for. I'm always interested in that kind of stuff. I'm like the guy who says he's yeah. a billionaire, and you know, people. Absolutely. There's a lot of questions. I, I'm Absolutely. fascinated to see what his finances are. Absolutely. You know. Uh, also, I, I know uh, Chelsea's friend uh, Bernie Sanders is uh, being a little <laughs> tight with his uh, tax returns too. Right, which we talked about. We talked and about I last think week. That's, yeah. That sets the tone now because yeah. you're saying, okay, if there's anything in my, you know. Yeah whatever with his donations to NRA or whatever it is that's going to freak out his base. It's the same thing with Trump. But now Trump has opened that door to be like, well, I don't have to turn mine in. So now no one else is going to feel that obligation either, because I'm sure there is probably something there, something that could, that you could say, great. Well, Bernie Sanders donated to the NRA like a million dollars. I mean, he doesn't have a million dollars, but I'm just saying something crazy or some kind of thing that would really make that extreme left base freak out. And it's the same kind of thing. So, you know, in two weeks, we're expected to be asked, uh, we're, we're expecting Democrats to demand them, probably take a little while to get them. <laughs> um, w- do you think there's a chance that he is still just like, uh, I don't know, make me, you know, like, oh, like come to the White House and, and yes, take them? He's yeah. going to fight it tooth and yeah. nail. And so, yes, he's going to delay as much as he can. And, you know, now he's trying to shift the strategy and say, OK, well, because there's no collusion now, they're trying to find all these other things against me and. You know, something else about president's harassment against on Twitter. Despite the fact but, that that was something that they were looking into before yes. the, before Russian collusion. That's they're, what I was going to say. Just like, this what's is, in those tax returns? Exactly. I mean, the, the thing is, is, I don't know why he would think that even if there was no collusion and Mueller comes in tomorrow and says everyone's innocent, this was, you know, whatever. The point is there's still so many other things that are going on. And Democrats have said for the past two years that they were going to do these things it is not a surprise. And, you know, you get some people that say, yes, you know, they, they should, and then other people are saying they're not doing their jobs. But I do think there is a place for that, because especially with someone like Trump is is a president that no none of us have ever seen before as far as the businesses, the business entanglements, what things, you know, what favors are foreign governments trying to curry favor with him and his family, what other things could he be involved with that could be helping him profit from. So there are a lot of things there. And again, if there isn't anything to hide... 
he should be forthcoming and be like, look, there is nothing here. You guys are making a big, big deal about nothing. Now, my whole thing is even if he doesn't have any shady business dealings, he's vain. And part of my fear, you know, my thought is his fear is that, you know, he's going to release his tax returns and people are going to see he does not have the money that he claims to have. Right. Because a lot of that money is on paper anyways. A lot of that money is in businesses for the, uh, the ultra wealthy anyway. So when you're talking about actually having your most wealthy, wealthy people are very cash poor because everything's tied up on paper and other areas. It's not very liquid. So I think in general, I think he's afraid that people are going to see that he does not have the money he says he does. You know, whatever other potential business entanglements, whether conflicts of interest he may have that he's also probably nervous about. I think that's the biggest one that he's afraid for people to see, um, to see that he's really not this this person that he's claimed to be the whole time. Yeah, I, I th- for me personally, I think it's it's more what you're talking about mm-hmm. than, you know, some like in, insidious, uh, you know, dastardly plan that yeah. is going to be reflected. You know, if tax returns that are filed with the IRS aren't going to have like, no, anything they're gonna, crazy in there. They're going to be boring and they're also going to be something that would be very difficult to blatant unless it's something very blatant that said in the, the company yeah. name, you know, giving money to Russia for – yeah, it, it's <laughs> – yeah. LLC. It's going to be very hard to – track that and it very complicated so people it, it's not going to be an answer a clear answer for people so the the bottom line is something that's very clear and evident is oh he doesn't have the money that he claims to have and and that's where i think the biggest fear for him is for sure uh in terms of the uh collusion uh adam schiff said uh, over the past week that uh the trump campaign uh, you know there there is direct evidence of con- uh, collusion mm-hmm. not conclusion but collusion <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of focus on this trump tower meeting that uh, don junior had but uh it keeps coming up but i, I don't know maybe maybe i'm just seeing it wrong it seems like it's not as big a deal as uh, people are, are telling us it is at least to the perception of uh, the way that the media covers it. Because if this was the big deal that Adam Schiff says it is, you wouldn't move on to the next story. I I feel like you'd really focus on this. Well, I think there's two parts to it. One, and we've talked about this forever, too. I mean, year, probably, you know, year and a half, um, close to two years. I think the the big thing that we're going to find is not so much that he directly colluded with Russia. It's going to be what are the people in his his, uh, campaign did. But it's also going to be what did he cover up or what did he you know, try to do for obstruction of justice? Those are the things that are going to come up that I think are going to be hard for him to deny. And those are the things that he should be concerned about. And it's like everything else. Going back to Nixon, it's the same thing. It's like the, the cover up and the lying and all that is worse than the actual crime. Right. But I also agree with you to a point that I don't think there is as much or it's a lot harder to draw the conclusions on the meeting and the one meeting and who we talked to and what it was about. And just like the the point blank direct collusion with Russia, um, but on the other hand, again, until we have a clear report from Mueller and it's released to the public and we know where everything's connected, it's really hard to even go any further with the meeting and everything else. Because, like you said, it's been digested so many times. There's only so many things you're going to get from it. Until you actually have a clear answer, I, I think it's hard for the media to go any further because it is the same thing. Until there's there's more to it, which right. we're not going to get. I, right, and I think as we've talked about in recent weeks, that you know, when there's a finished mm-hmm. Mueller report, we we won't get to see it. You know, and it's uh, yeah, it may take some time to even yeah. see and whatever parts are there, what parts are redacted. But again, we've been talking about this because they said, oh, it's imminent, and it was it was going to be last week, and then it was the week before. And now it's yeah, it, it's like it's like anything. There's yeah. always somebody who has the inside sources. Yeah. Like my sources tell me that yeah. that Mueller uh, report is going to be exactly. Really, you know, it's like it's like. I know when the secret Taylor Swift album is coming out. 
which I don't, by the way, so don't ask. Uh, I do, but that, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going to talk about That's to Drexel that. because yeah. he's, he's a huge uh, a Taylor Swift fan. Uh, we only have a few minutes here. This is a story that I thought was uh, interesting and uh, wanted to kind of get your thoughts on. Uh, you know, uh, we were talking about Joe Biden earlier, and uh, Joe Biden was uh, speaking – which he does a lot, let's be honest. But no, he was uh, he was at an event and he said something nice about the current vice president, mm-hmm. Mike Pence, which mm-hmm. is, you know, I feel like that's kind of the decorum. I mean, unless you're actually, you know, talking about an issue that you have a problem with, you're going to just mention mm-hmm. the guy. And, you know, uh, you say a decent guy, our vice president, you know, mm-hmm. is actually that's that's the direct quote is what he said. And. He had to apologize for saying that Mike <laughs> Pence is 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 a nice guy. Yeah, and I do understand the reason why because mm-hmm. uh, obviously of Mike Pence's uh, issues. You know, just it, right. it's not, issues isn't even strong enough. You know, um, so I, I'll let you talk about it. And uh, if you think that people that insisted Joe Biden apologize, uh, and the fact that he did apologize mm-hmm. for calling the sitting vice president uh, a, 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 decent a decent guy. Yeah, a decent guy. He didn't even say nice. Yeah. He said a decent yeah. guy. <laughs> um, what do you think about that? Well, I, it, it, and then he kind of tried to backtrack and say yeah. it was about a very particular situation with whatever yeah. it was with the – yeah, he picked it. He picked North, up. He picked up a tab once. That's a decent guy, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, but that's how he tried to, to frame yeah. it. He was like, oh, I wasn't talking about in general. I was talking about whatever. I forget what it was now because I did read about. It. I don't think it was the North Korea deal. It was something else. Maybe it was Venezuela or whatever. Um, I think it was something like that where it was like, yeah, oh, that, he's going it, down it, to yes. deal with this. That's and, exactly what it was, and yeah, it's yeah. something we all kind of agree with, and blah blah blah. And that's and then it got sort of misconstrued from that and being like he thinks he's this you know decent guy, and it, it's it's a fine line. <laughs> In general, um, I think we have obviously, thanks mostly to Trump, lost a lot of that decorum because it was yeah. one of those things that previous presidents and Obama still stuck to that for the most part. He's gotten fired a few times here and there, but pr- previous presidents never talked about. The yeah, I mean, George president. Bush never talked about, about Obama, Obama while at, he was in office. Right. You it's know? it's just one of those things that you would do. It's like okay, my time president is done. We might be from different political parties, but at the end of the day, we we all want want what's best for the country. It right. Might be we just have different ways of getting about it. But now – and it was kind of the same thing with vice presidents too. It was just this is a part of the club and we're chummy and we're yeah. – but now it's turned into the minute you say anything nice about the other side, then it's it's completely wrong. And, and, and I feel like there's there's a line. You obviously want to keep your very passionate base and the people that are going to go out and support, especially if you're thinking about running for president. You want those people to be passionate vote for you because then you're going to be in the same kind of situation that Hillary Clinton was in as that – People may sit out because they're like, oh, he's just a watered-down version of Republicans. Right. I'm not going to feel – so So on one hand, you do want to get those people passionate. But on the other hand, I think that we also kind of lose a little bit of that um, decorum now even more because we can't even say anything nice. And again, I would – I personally would never say anything nice about Mike Pence. No, but I also yeah. personally have not been vice president the, before and, and have worked in the – Yeah, so yeah, yeah, exactly. And have worked with you know whatever was going on with, with the government and knowing yeah. what, what – Biden knows about what Pence was doing when he was down there and whatever that situation was. So, you know, and, and Joe Biden's known for his gaffes, too, which used to be charming and cute before Trump. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so that's just another one to add to. If if I was him, I would not be saying anything nice about this current administration just to cover his own self. But on the flip side, you want to get you also want to get some of the moderates, too, that might lean more Republican like in the yeah. West and um other places that feel like the current uh, Democratic Party is 
too liberal and uh, not speaking to them. So, you know, it's a tight line for Joe Biden, for sure. Right. I mean, at at issue, obviously, is uh, Mike Pence's track record, uh, you know, the way he's viewed by the LGBTQ community. Which which is why I would never say anything nice about him. I also find him as almost as fake and whatever to yeah no i mean trump stuff like when you think of a of a you know like what's a politician you you kind of you know envision mike pence you do yeah that's that's the that's the central casting version if i was casting a politician i'm like great he's right every every you know every movie where they have like a president that's not supposed to be a real president it usually looks like like mike Mike pence Pence. yes yeah and if he was the the barbie doll version in the stores you'd be like great there's the president you know right uh, politician (laughs) type and you know exactly the suit and the and the helmet hair and everything else so yeah he plays that role perfectly in that sense so i look i i understand obviously that those are uh you know very important issues uh obviously something that democrats don't want to be seen as in the wrong side of uh i don't know i guess just the idea that you you can't say that someone's a nice guy look you didn't say trump was a was yeah, a decent guy right <laughs> you know i can see if somebody said that then yeah. it's like wait a minute and i know people don't like mike pence but i i don't know i i just found the whole thing i'm like oh we can't even well, we can't even say and yes there's a specific group has a specific yes. problem with him but still it's like yeah i don't know can you can you even say that somebody on the other side is a decent guy you know could Mike, you know, could Mike Pence say that Obama was a decent guy? You know, uh, whether he would or not, it's not the issue. Yeah, I, I you know? don't think he would. But, but yeah, but I mean, would he? Uh, mm-hmm. Clearly, Trump wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but so I, I don't know. I, I just that's where we're at. I, I guess. Is, is yeah, what I think it was a little much. Again, I would never do it, and I would. I wasn't particularly happy, but I also knew he was talking about a very, very, very specific situation, which was whatever with the Venezuela thing. It wasn't yeah. even about him in general. And I do think there is a little bit more of the everything's uh, crazy, you know, you've, you've got to fight about every little thing now. It's a fine line, but, you know, he's if he's going to run for president, these are the type of things he's going to have to deal with in this yes. world that he's got to be very careful about that kind of stuff. When we only have uh, two minutes, uh, do you think Joe Biden's going to run for president? You know, the longer it takes, the less likely I think he will. Yeah. I, I personally don't think he should because uh, – and I don't want to sound ageist, but I, I I just really do feel at this point in time that we should get some newer, younger, bolder faces of the Democratic Party to run for president. Um, I think the 70-plus-year-old yeah. straight white guy has had their time. Um, and, and so that's my only thing. Yeah. And, and, but, and by the way, like if, if a uh, 50-year-old – that's that's you know, that's I'm not saying that's young to, be, to me. It doesn't need to be somebody in their 30s. <laughs> no. I'm you know, like, 50 like, sounds young. You're 36 and, for, yeah. and you can run for president. Yeah. No. So, if, yeah, we're just talking about – and I agree like wholeheartedly. It's just if you have somebody that's in their early 50s and, it, it, you know, if, if if they're a white male that's – you know, but their message yeah. is connecting. Right. Like, right. To me, that's more important. Like you know, who's the candidate? Are they connecting with people? Are people going to vote for them? Uh, but – you know, it, it's so it's the argument against Bernie, against oh, Hillary. Definitely. You know, it's Bernie the, I, and, and, and Biden in particular, because they're going to be over 80 years old yes. before their first term would be, even be over. And I yeah. think you get to a point where it's like that's retirement age. You know, you don't yeah. need someone that's running the entire country in the free world here right. with nuclear codes who's north of 80 years old. Not saying you can't have people that are coherent and everything. It's just it's a very stressful job as it is for anybody, but let alone some of that advanced age. But I also just feel like it's time to get some new people in, some new ideas. These people have been around 
forever, and it's time to just get some new people. But don't worry, uh, because uh, Scott and I won't retire until we're in our 80s, so we'll yeah. still be here uh, until then. I'll be working. Uh, <laughs> and we'll certainly be here <laughs> next Tuesday at 4 Pacific, 7 yes. Eastern for another installment of the Trump Report. Uh, until then, where can people find you, Scott? Uh, they can find me on Twitter, probably saying something about Mitch McConnell, uh, S-Man 80, that's S-Man 80. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Christian DMZ. Thanks so much to uh, everybody who's in the chat and everybody uh, out there in the audience. We will see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.